Aaron Rose, week two, Borline Raptors. Welcome back. Let's do it. Well, listen, first first things first. Um, I mean, this is the second week, so you've had a whole week of this um, going on in your life. I mean, how has your life changed? Radically different. This has just <laughs> improved my quality of life exponentially being on this podcast with you. Yeah, I mean, I just hope it hasn't been too much being, you know, sort of stopped in the streets or, you know, too many requests of your time now or anything like that. I hope it hasn't done that to you, but, you know, that's, maybe that's a good thing if it, if it has. The occasional, are you that guy from Borderline Raptors? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> well, get used to it. Get used to it. Um, all right, listen, let's dive right in. We're going uh, to talk, obviously, the big preseason game. Uh, uh, we'll do that. We'll get some roster spot uh, discussions. We're going to talk a little Freddie and Nick. Uh, Raptors gone by. Uh, a little Vancouver NBA potentially and uh, some other NBA news. And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up pretty quick with some, uh, some what jives and AOB. So we're ready to go. Okay. Listen, wraps recap game one, a game one that probably means absolutely nothing, but it's the only sort of real uh, content (laughs) that we have for the Raptors this past week. So why don't you quickly give me your thoughts uh, on game one of the preseason, a somewhat convincing win with a lot of, um, with a lot of contributions. What route do you think they'll take the parade up this season? Because you know when they last won the championship, it was a little bit messy in the end. So that's my takeaway. Well, clearly Vancouver. I think the truth is the the offense looked different. I think they had 30 assists on 39 made field goals. That's not something we saw last season. I thought they did use Scotty Barnes as a point guard more often, but the biggest difference, and although it wasn't entirely, you know, Yaka Pertle didn't get a ton of assists, but they were playing offense out of that high post elbow area a lot. And that was something that Darko said he wanted to do this season. So it looks like they're getting the bigs more involved, uh, more ball handoffs, more screens with those big guys and I think that's something I'm looking forward to seeing it's funny because they played Sabonis who's and the Kings a team that does that a lot so I think the Raptors offense well uh, Yaka Pirtle isn't quite Sabonis level but I think they're trying to move in that direction and then obviously the the big thing was who is going to come out in the starting lineup and we saw Dennis Schroeder and I think at this point that's something we're going to see all year uh, but certainly interesting that Schroeder got the start over Gary Trent Jr. who looked really good off the bench well, listen, your Sabonis uh, comment with respect to that high post offense uh, is a good one because the Kings obviously flourish in that environment with him last year. I mean, he was uh, he was great for them. But forget Pirtle being his comparative uh, sort of Raptor. I, I would say that is Scotty Barnes. Like Scotty Barnes is got the same sort of build, physique, capabilities of a Sabonis. And again, I think we talked about this last week a little bit. If the offense flows through Scotty in that kind of format, I do think it's our best chance of succeeding, not necessarily just purely on wins, but as far as getting uh, the Darko style of offense that he wants. Uh, And I really do like, sometimes it just seems weird that, you know, two guys who uh, clearly didn't play at this level, uh, didn't have never coached this level. Why does it seem so obvious to us that that is like a good space for our team to be in with that ball at a high post moving to a guy who is a pretty solid ball handler or decision maker uh, and distributor of the basketball. Well, the problem with using Scotty in that role, and as you mentioned, we talked about it last week, and it's 
the role that I think he's probably best fit for right now, as opposed to a traditional point guard. But the problem is he's, you have a lot of guys who fit that role. Like if you use Yaka Pertle there, where, sorry, if you use Scotty Barnes in that Yaka Pertle spot, where are you moving Yaka Pertle to? Uh, he's not going to be a floor spacer. He doesn't shoot the three. So you're moving him into the dunker spot. And it seems a little weird. The only issue is that Scotty's not a screener to the level of Yak or Sabonis, but otherwise he, he's a great passer and he has that size. There was one point where he threw just a phenomenal pass over the Kings defense, right to OG Ananobi. OG dumped it off uh, to Chris Boucher, I think it was, for a dunk. So there are passes that you see that Scotty can make that you know a traditional six-foot-one point guard or whatever just can't make. Uh, I do think that they should use Yak in that spot. I think when Yak comes out, especially while the Raptors are dealing with some backup center health issues right now, uh, Scotty seeing some playing time at that five would be a spot that makes sense for him uh, with Dennis Schroeder on the court. All right, so let's digress into Pirtle here a little bit because I don't think we necessarily agree on on his on his either his skill set or the best use for him. I mean, I kind of like him in just the dunker position. I, it, is, am I missing something? Is it, does he have more skills around the basket as far as uh, a low post game uh, distributing? Like, I think he is kind of a, a rebounder, a shot blocker. Uh, on the defensive end, obviously, and then offensive end, he's going to get he's going to clean up. Where I mean, there's not going to be a lot of offense that flows through him. Not too many set plays, I think, that are going through through Jakob. So I, I don't know. I I I think I would be thinking, how do we get Scotty in that role more often and have Jakob sort of know his know his role? To me, the problem with that is that if you put Yak in the dunker spot, you're putting Yak's defender in the dunker spot. And that just means you're leaving the center right by the rim. So every time Scotty drives or every time Pascal drives, you've got that defender, the, you know, Miles Turner's of the league or the Brooke Lopez of the league, just hanging out right there, right beside Yacker Pirtle. So the spacing of that, and you know, that's one of the problems when you have four guys on the court uh, with this starting lineup who aren't above average or even average shooters. So, and then the other thing is, while Yak isn't a floor spacer, he's not going to stand out at the top of the arc like, you know, Brooke Lopez or, or Miles Turner. He's a really good passer. And we've seen that in the past. And you can use his screen uh, setting abilities in the pick and roll and in ball handoffs. It would make some sense to put, you know, your biggest guy by the rim. The problem is that means the other team gets to put their biggest guy by the rim as well. And when the Raptors don't have other guys who can space the floor, it gets a little clunky, which is kind of the problem we've been talking about with this Raptors team is the lack of shooting. Well, you know what? Maybe that maybe that's what it is, right? I mean, if you, if you just break this down with a Pascal, Scotty, Pirtle, OG, and Dennis starting lineup, I mean, you you literally have... I mean, if you call Pascal a three-point shooter, that's probably somewhat generous. Um, but you've got OG. You've got OG as kind of the only. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's so that you know what? Okay. Well, that's just gonna this is gonna change my thinking all of a sudden now that I've digested this into one of the uh, other comments I was gonna make a, a little bit later. But um, yeah, like in today's NBA, it just doesn't it just doesn't work, does it? Right. And that would be the argument for putting Gary into the starting lineup is at least you get two floor spacers on the court. But the problem is then you don't have a traditional point guard like Dennis. And it's valuable to have a guy who's a veteran, you know, organizer on the court. And I think that's why the Raptors have gone in that direction right now. I'm sure Gary will get starts whenever there's an injury that will pop up at some point down the road. But in today's NBA, the Raptors are playing a very old school brand of basketball, having four guys who are you know, average to below average to, you know, zero uh, three-point shooters on the court. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's depressing. Um, 
because I was actually, you know, one of my, <laughs> one of my, one of my segments or points I was going to make a little bit later was around, you know, where the Raptors are sort of positioned, uh, what people are talking about with as far as their win totals, you know, where they fit in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, if you go down the rosters, I mean, if you outside those, outside the top four teams, which we'll call, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, and Cleveland, I was starting to look at some of the other rosters, you know, the Knicks, um, obviously Orlando, who's an up and coming team. And I'm sitting there going, well, our roster doesn't seem to be that much. Uh, oh, it, it's not. I, I would sit there on paper and say that it's not worse than any of those uh, rosters that you look at, except I'm going to do a deeper dive on some of the shooting capabilities of those teams. But if you look at the Knicks, like right off the bat, the Knicks don't have, I wouldn't consider them to be a ton of shooting, and yet they're sort of earmarked for that five hole. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a huge issue. But going back to Gary coming off the bench, I think Gary's a six man. I mean, I think that's who he is. I think he's a uh, a microwave Vinnie Johnson type player where he comes in. Some days he's going to have it like he did in Vancouver the other night, 22 points in I think 19 minutes. Uh, and he's going to light it up. And other games, he's not. And, you know, I just, I don't know that he's ever a 36 minute a game guy, right? So I, I really like him. So I like our starting five based on what we have being a uh, shooter in that space because I think Gary's a, a guy off the bench. But yeah, I hear you. The, the, whole, the, the whole issue now is going to be is going to be that shooting because coming off the bench, then you've got potentially Grady, uh, you Boucher, Porter Jr. Um, again, Precious. none of those. I mean, I mean, potentially. I want to get to that in a second on the roster spot here because um, it's it's really interesting. But yeah, I mean, we don't even have a ton of shooting, depending on what Grady's all about. And you know, he's a rookie, so we can't expect too much. But we have really no shooting coming off the bench either. Guys, we think they can shoot, but no real sort of like knockdown, legitimate NBA three point shooting. Hmm. Not not proven, at least. Like, you know, you're counting, and Masai talked about this, you're counting on Grady Dick, who's was an exceptional college three-point shooter, but he was an exceptional college three-point shooter, and we haven't seen him do it at the NBA level because, you know, he's a rookie. And then the other guy they're counting on is Otto Porter Jr., who you just, if if that's the guy you're counting on, you're taking some risk. So uh, Otto Porter Jr., we've seen is a guy who can play rotation minutes on an NBA championship team, but we've also seen him as a guy who has played eight games in a season and and he's not certainly well, the beacon of health in the NBA. Well, I was going to say over the course of his career, I think it's, isn't an auto injury junior is pretty much yeah, his, uh, his, his, his unfortunate. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, I mean, the thing is right, but that's all it takes for one of these guys to get a little street cred. He had a great run with uh golden state, right? Played some, played some key minutes on championship team. Next thing you know, he's considered this, you know, something he probably hasn't been throughout the course of his career, but now he's, you know, sort of elevated from a, from a championship run. All right, Wilson, why don't we, why don't the, that lead us into the, the conversation around the, the Raps roster spots? Cause I find this very interesting. Uh, you know, for a team that we're just talking about how we've got some gaps in shooting, yet it seems like the first 10 spots are kind of already locked in. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you those with Pascal, Scotty, Jakob, OG, Schroeder, Gary. Being our, that's going to be our six-man rotation for sure. Then when you go seven, eight, nine, it's going to be a combination of Grady, Boucher, uh, Porter Jr. Then you know the, the forgotten guy in all this is is Achua, but I'd say he's a lock for the roster. Uh, so that's ten. Now spots eleven, twelve. I mean, you've got Coloco. I think he's a he's a lock once he comes once he's uh, healthy, which leaves you with uh, our guy Jeff Downton, who had a, who had a rough night the other night. Uh, Marquis Noel, Malachi, uh, McDaniels, Thad Young, Temple, and Freeman all fighting for sort of two legitimate roster spots. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Flynn has to be. So, I mean, listen, can I cross Flynn off that? Please tell me I can cross Flynn off. 
spots 11 that, and 12. So if, if we want to have the conversation about who actually makes this roster, uh, yeah, I virtually do. everyone is guaranteed a spot on the roster, either because they have guaranteed contracts or because they're on two-way deals or whatever. The one guy who doesn't have a guaranteed contract is Jeff Downton Jr. And you mentioned him having a rough night the other night. He didn't play. So, yeah. you know, that's a rough night because if, if you're trying to get a guaranteed spot and you're not getting playing time, maybe the coaches are telling us something. But if Jeff Down Jr. is going to make the roster, he's going to have to take it from a guy with a guaranteed contract. Now, last season, who did Nick Nurse trust as the backup point guard? He trusted Jeff Down Jr. over Malachi Flynn. So are the Raptors ready to cut bait with a guy who is a first-round pick that they seem to really like? Maybe. Uh, otherwise, Jeff's going to have to take that roster spot from someone else. And I thought it might be Thad Young, except for Thad Young actually looked pretty good in the first game. And he was used in that high post action uh, that we just saw. We just talked about Jakob Pertl. I thought he looked pretty good off the bench, but he was out of the rotation for the Raptors last year. So if you're Jeff Down Jr. Wh- and, and you were a guy who was in Nick Nurse's rotation and Nick Nurse hated rotation guys uh, off the bench, who, who is getting cut? You're looking at Malachi. You're looking at Thad Young. Other than that, I don't know who you're looking at, and maybe you're just not going to make this roster if you're Jeff Down Jr. Well, listen, 100% agree with you. What I don't understand is why the Raptors, if it's if this is one of those things you can't cut bait from a from a first round draft pick in Flynn. I mean, I think there's been overwhelming evidence in the three years that uh, he's streaky at best. Uh, he has a hard time with on ball defending. And, you know, he's, he's small, he's smallish. He's on the small side of being a guard in the NBA. I mean, I get it. First round draft pick, but there's lots of first round draft picks that don't work out. And I don't think now's not the time to sit there to continue, in my opinion, to reinvest in him. So I'm listening. I'm going to cross him off from the, from the list because we got the 12. So I hear what you're saying about people making the roster, but I'm talking about the top 12 guys that are actually going to suit up and potentially play in, in an NBA game. So I think Flynn's out. I think, I mean, I don't know. As much as I like the, the signing of Marquise, um, cause I like this. So, so, so Marquise is on a two-way deal. So he'll spend most of the year in the G league. So will, uh, Javon Freeman Liberty. And so will Ron Harper jr. Those are the three guys on two-way contracts. Oh yeah. I forgot about Harper jr. Right. So yeah. then okay. you, the guys who are probably out of the rotation, uh, Jeff Jowden jr. You know, might make the roster, but probably won't start the year in the rotation. Uh, Garrett temple seems like your kind of traditional Udonis Haslam role a really good coach uh, on the bench and probably yeah. not seeing a ton of minutes. And then Thad Young, again, if some of those other guys are hurt, Precious Achua and Christian Coloco are out of the lineup, then he's a guy that might see rotation minutes as a backup center, even though that's not really his position. Otherwise, probably not in the rotation. That's probably the best place to start. Uh, it does leave you with a question. If you don't have Malachi Flynn and Jeff Down Jr. is out of the rotation, who's your backup point guard? And the answer to that might be, Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam to some extent. I think so. I think that's where you have to go with it. I mean, down June, it's interesting because, I mean, Masai said nothing but good things about him at the end of the last season, too, and how they wanted to bring him back. And that, you know, um, so yeah, he's in a tough spot, however. And, and I like, I actually like him. The, the time that he, like, I thought he was solid defensively, uh, a little streaky on the offensive end. But I like, what about McDaniels? Anything, anything on him? He looked good the other night. Yeah, he was one of the top guys off the bench. I think he came in sort of right after Gary in that second group, if I recall. Yeah, he did. He's he's not he's not making a ton of money, but he's making more than the minimum. So 
I don't see the Raptors getting rid of him. He's, you know, a tall, versatile defender, kind of like his brother. He's not as good defensively as his brother, and he'll be a streaky three-point shooter, but he'll probably be a guy that maybe starts in the rotation, but as Grady Dick comes along, I could see him falling out of the rotation as Grady Dick sees his minutes uh, increase as the season goes along. But he'll probably be in that sort of fifth guy off the bench, and we're also talking about a coach. Nick Nurse played, you know, hated playing two or three guys off the bench, but it sounds like Darko wants to play four or five guys off the bench. Obviously, we saw a ton of guys in the first preseason game, but when the 25th comes around and the season actually starts, it'll probably be closer to four or five. But certainly that's a lot more than what Nick Nurse was willing to do. So do you think McDaniels is part of that 12 man? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Certainly to start the season. And I'm not sure Grady, you know, Grady was late, late, late off the bench in that game the other night. And I know it's exciting to talk about to talk about the 13th pick in the draft as a guy who's going to, you know, be the eighth man or ninth man on this team. I'm skeptical. That's going to be the case. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he started the year out of the rotation. I think he will probably be in the rotation, but we're talking about a rookie who's got some work to do, certainly on his body. And he talked about that the other day. Uh, But I think McDaniels will certainly see more minutes than Grady to start the year. And and that was an indication we got in the first preseason game. Well, yeah, I, I was really surprised by it. You know, he only got 13, I think 13 minutes and it was late, right? Did, I think it was second half minutes uh, where he came yeah, in. O- only uh, after the fans chanted, we want Grady, which was probably a cleaner version than what they could have chanted. Well, listen, we want Dick uh, is, is a tough one for anybody. I think uh, our you know friend of the show, uh, Matty Devlin, he's going to have some challenges this year uh, with, with Grady's in that rotation. So he's going to have to put some thought into that one. Um, but uh, you know what? Any chance, any chance Grady's a G leaguer? At some point this season? Yeah, and that's something we've seen from the Raptors in the past, where if you're a guy who's not really in the rotation, they'll send you, they want you to see minutes. So we might see Grady doing that thing where it's like he plays a game Friday night with the 905, and then he's back with the Raptors on a Saturday just to get him run. Because if he's not seeing 20 minutes uh, a night, and I don't think he will be, get him down to the G League for 30 minutes. And that's not necessarily such a shot at, players you know it seems like a demotion to be sent down to the g league and obviously scotty didn't do that but virtually every other yeah. raptors pick has gone down there pascal was down there uh coloco of course was down there uh briefly but the raptors are happy to get those guys minutes uh, certainly when they have an opportunity when the raptors are when both the raptors and the 905 are playing in toronto i wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, yeah Grady i mean listen to give the raps credit you know we we can be hard on uh management sometimes but it, like that seems to be a proven methodology the 905 with some of these guys and it's a good development. I mean, a lot, like you said, look at the guys that we've uh, had trample through the, the 905 who've turned out to be legitimate NBA, you know, stars, borderline uh, all-stars, whatever you're. So yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. All right. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to watch that one. I mean, when's their next preseason game? It's next week, isn't it? It's this weekend against the Australian team from Cairns, okay. Cairns, Cairns, yeah. right by the nice. Great Barrier Reef. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Okay. Um, all right. Listen. Uh, I think we've I think we've covered. I think that's sort of the uh, the intel we have for the for the week on the current Raps roster. So let's segue in here to a little bit of our you know we our Raps of yesteryear. The two most prominent figures to leave the team this past year, obviously Freddie um, and Nick. Right. That those are two sort of mainstays guys at high profiles. So we were chatting a little bit before, and you mentioned how there seems to be a bit of a love fest. Uh, going on with both those guys and their new um and their new jurisdictions. So I've done I did a little bit of reading, sort of chase up. Certainly, the Nick Nurse love affair is in full full effect. Um, so why don't we start with Nick? And I'll tell you. Um, here's what I found interesting in some of the stuff I read: that the players almost 
to a to a man who are, who were under Doc for the last few years are talking about the change in offensive philosophy, uh, what Nick's style means for them versus what it meant versus Doc's. Uh, but it was interesting because they talked about the offense being selfless and ball movement, uh, and you know, sort of freedom of choice to a certain extent. And meanwhile, everything that was talked about last week in Raptorland was around how. It wasn't selfless. It was selfish. And, you know, so it's funny that, uh, you know, one perspective from nurse's tenure is this is how it ended. But the, the, you know, the, I guess the grass is greener or the other side of the coin is that he brings in this whole concept of ball movement and selflessness. So, uh, it's interesting. They definitely, Philly fans are, or the Philly media is definitely, uh, somewhat enthralled with Nick at the moment. Yeah, it's ironic they're using the word selfless when everyone's talking about how the offense was so selfish last season. It's almost like, was that coordinated? Did he say, all right, use the word selfish, selfless anytime <laughs> you talk about uh, what Nick Nurse is doing this season? Listen, Nick Nurse, maybe he learned. Like, we can all learn from our mistakes, and maybe Nick has put in a different offense, and we will see it this year. Uh, but certainly, uh, it seems like everyone is is happy with Nick right now in Philly, and we'll see if that continues. And then the other thing I found was funny uh, was I was talking to a 76ers fan the other day who was telling me, you know, Doc wasn't so good with the younger players, wasn't so good with the bench. And I feel really confident that Nick is going to be a mentor to the young players. And I'm like, listen, Nick... Say what you want about Nick last season or what have you, but Nick is a great playoff X's and O's basketball coach. I'm not so sure he's going to be that great developmental coach, and that was why he was fired in Toronto. Again, maybe he's changed, uh, but if you're looking at it as like, finally, we brought in a guy to develop the bench and the young guys, we'll see. That That's certainly not the reputation Nick left uh, when he left Toronto. Honestly, I think I think part of this is just this sort of Canadian bias that they just, no one follows it. Right, the the U.S. media does such a poor job of understanding uh, the Raptors, the Canadian culture, uh, you know, and I think that's part of it. For them to be talking that way, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's the exact opposite what, what went on here. Almost from, uh, you know, other than you can maybe argue Fred, but Fred was somewhat developed by the time Nurse got him. Right, like he was a legitimate uh, rotation player, that sort of thing. So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't call that the Nurse effect. Uh, but for them to think that this is what they're getting, I mean. Everything that's gone on here the last couple of years would be the, would indicate the exact opposite of those things that they're saying, which I find so <laughs> crazy. And you know what? Good luck to him. Listen, I love Nick. I love Nick. Uh, I'm, uh, I think uh, in a lot of ways, uh, the city and the team will miss him. However, clearly he'd run his course. And a lot of these things that they're talking about is just, I mean, it's, it's fallacy. It's not, it's not who he is. And I agree with you. He is an excellent nose guy. And I'm, I don't know how this whole Harden thing shakes out uh, to his benefit. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And then, and then you have the same situation with Fred where everyone's talking about how great of a leader he is. And I'll maintain that. I think Fred is, you know, a really good locker room leader. And I think for whatever reason, it just didn't work with Scotty Barnes. That doesn't mean Fred's not a good leader. It just means their leadership style and leadership acceptance, if you will, did not work, did not sink. But, but it sounds like Jalen Green's like, he's already my big brother. He's going to teach me leadership. And I think if you're a Raptors fan, you might be rolling your eyes at that. I, I think that's fair that, that Fred, as I said, I think he is a pretty good leader, but it, it's certainly funny that the reputation Fred left Toronto with was as a guy who couldn't deal with younger players. And now all the younger players on Houston are like, wow, this guy is the best. Well, yeah, it's fine. I read the same thing. I read a lot of the Jalen Green stuff. How him and there's definitely a bromance going on between those two, or certainly it's it's a one way bromance, Jalen to to Fred for sure. Um, you know, listen, I I don't I will not condemn Fred in, in any way. I think 
uh, if there were some critiques around his leadership style last year, perhaps it was his frustration too, right? I mean, there was definitely, there was lots of talk around how Scotty didn't necessarily put the work in, um, that, you know, as a result, you know, they were relying on him and Fred was probably frustrated with his, some of his, uh, potential worth work ethic, uh, concerns or issues. But I mean, Fred could be like a coach, right? I mean, the NBA voices get stale. Voices get stale. Doesn't matter who you are at what level, whether you're Phil Jackson, uh, the great Chuck Daly, those voices eventually get stale. And perhaps Freddie's the last few years, right? Got stale a little bit. Some of the same guys around, like just, he needed a change of scenery. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro Freddie on this. I, I think he's getting a bit of a bad rap on some of this, uh, on some of the sort of, uh, themes of his departure. But I mean, what do I know? What do I know? What I, however, you know what, what I do know, and I don't know if we, I don't know if we covered it enough last week, but this whole idea that we that Masai is getting a free pass, and I don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time on Masai here, but Masai is getting a free pass for that whole comment around we respect our players and therefore we did what's best for Fred. You know, losing I, I was thinking about this this morning, losing Fred for absolutely nothing when you were pretty sure he wasn't coming back is egregious. It's egregious. It's egregious on any level. It's happened too many times to our organization. I don't know that you want to be known as the organization who takes care of their players to the detriment of the future. Right. And I kind of feel like that's what we did here with Fred. Yeah. Although I think when you say that the Raptors were pretty sure he wasn't coming back, I think the Raptors got caught with their pants down and they thought he was coming back. And they thought when they looked around at the market, well, which contending team or which situation was going to actually be able to go and get Fred. Everyone thought that the Houston Rockets had all this cap space and they were going after James Harden. And then when Ime Udoka pulled the switcheroo and said, we're not going after James Harden. We want leadership. We want Fred Van Vliet. The Raptors went, oh no. And by that point, it was too late. At the trade deadline, they didn't see any other suitor. Maybe they could make a signing trade if he wanted to go to, I don't know, the, the Lakers or something or the 76ers. Or th They thought there was going to be a signing trade out there, which was probably going to be the same as what they could have got at the trade deadline. Well, it turns out uh, that all that cap space w was ready for Fred Van Vliet to walk right into. And by that point, it was too late for the Raptors to do anything. Yeah. And I mean, listen, shame on the Raptors for letting this happen continually, their organization. I mean, it goes back to the, to the Carter. Um, it goes back to uh, Tracy and then, you know, Bosch being the most recent example. I think when these guys don't sign in the off season, long-term contracts, you have to immediately be thinking there's a humongous risk that we're going to lose them uh, at some stage. You know, I think the change in his management to clutch was huge, right? Clutch is you know, not the easiest uh, organization to deal with this from from what i can understand you know i i'm only going to assume clutch has some sort of uh u.s based bias that they have rather have their players in the u.s and they wouldn't can like there were some there were some breadcrumbs here that i think if you to your point it's on them if they got caught with their pants down uh but spinning it as the hey we try to take care of our players and that's why we, we didn't want to trade fred to somewhere else that he didn't want to go to i mean i just he Masai got away with that. Like there wasn't enough scrutiny on that comment in, in my opinion. So anyways, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to break that. Good for Fred. I look forward to his homecoming. Uh, I look forward to perhaps the Raptors actually getting a homecoming tribute done properly. Yeah, it, it'll be nice. And, and, and hopefully, and obviously fans were frustrated with Fred last year, but hopefully they can move past that. And when he does come here, or, you know, whenever that is, they can give him the proper reception that I think he deserves. God. I hope so. I hope so. I just think the ones that we've been to in the past have not been have not been good enough. Like the Kyle, not good enough. I didn't think Kawhi's was good enough, but I, we, I digress. All right, listen, uh, Raps been in Vancouver. 
which has led to some uh, Vancouver NBA uh, chat, and uh, you mentioned it. So what are you hearing around uh, the NBA coming back to Vancouver, if anything? It doesn't seem like anything's imminent. I, I think I saw something about expansion talk and they were talking about Seattle and Las Vegas. So I don't think Vancouver is getting a new team or, or having that team move back to Vancouver anytime soon, which is unfortunate. Uh, it certainly sounds like from the players and from Darko that the, the fan base out there is ravenous for basketball. The Raptors are happy that those fans love the Toronto Raptors as opposed to, you know, the Vancouver Grizzlies. Yeah, They're happy totally. to take that support. But there's certainly, it seems like a fan base out there for basketball on the West coast in Canada that deserves something. It just, for whatever reason, uh, I guess Vegas and Seattle are, are ahead of them on the pecking order. Well, I mean, I mean, Seattle for sure should be because they kind of got screwed. I don't think Vancouver got screwed when we lost to the, to the grit to uh, Memphis. I think that was some apathy out there. I mean, those, the uh, big country didn't exactly pack them in uh, back then. And I mean, I think when they left the attendance was meager ish uh, at best. So, but I mean, listen, the article I was reading was that how the, the, the plan here uh, is for Vancouver to grab, to identify 15 billionaires who are willing to, to pony up 200 million each. This is one of the, this is one of the articles I read about. So just 15, all you do is find 15 billionaires. I found that pretty uh, entertaining because here's what I know about rich people. Uh, they generally don't like to be told what to do by other people. So I can only imagine what it would look like trying to have 15 billionaires coordinate themselves into some sort of uh, unified voice uh, and without that being any problem. So I don't know if that's the model. And again, by the way, if you're a billionaire, why aren't you just buying the team yourself? So uh, I think we need, I think Vancouver needs to maybe rethink their strategy if they're going to go and uh, make a real run at this at some stage in the future. But uh, I found that, I found that funny that these we're going to get 15 billionaires just to kumbaya it. Yeah, I'm skeptical it'll happen. And the problem is that Canada doesn't have that sort of crazy wealth that we see. You know, there's all these like billionaires, multi-billionaires in the United States that can just, you know, buy a team outright in Canada. I feel like that's why you have MLSC because it's just a different culture here, a a different system here. And and there's not all these billionaires lining up to, to spend on a team. Well, the other thing too is I don't think it's a, if it's in the NBA's benefit to have two Canadian teams, right? I mean, what they've got going with Toronto and sort of We the North and you know sort of the whole country backing. I mean, I think that's a pretty good thing going. Uh, and why, you know, why probably, why try and water that down in any way, shape, or form with another Canadian team? Unless there's like overwhelming rationale for it, but who knows? Who knows? I think it's a long ways away. I can't I can't see it happening anytime soon. I doubt we're having a a Vancouver Grizz 2.0 pod uh, anytime soon. Uh, all right, listen, uh, other NBA news. Um, so you you highlighted the uh, GM survey uh, you sent to me last night, which I perused. Uh, it, was a, it was interesting by the lack of Toronto content. You're, you're right about that. I think we I think we came across as the 7% of the GMs feel that we have the best home court uh, advantage. Uh, down from 21% last year, We the number one, like which is surprising in itself. But uh, anything jump out at you in that survey that uh, is uh, newsworthy? Not really, just that there was a lack, you know, OGN and Obi did not get any recognition when it came to best defensive player, best perimeter defensive player, best versatile defensive player, just no recognition for OGN and Obi, which I thought was weird. And then that fall you mentioned from the number one home court advantage, Scotiabank Arena, to something like tied for fifth. So uh, that might have something to do with ticket prices going up, and that might have something to do with fans being unenthused with last season's mediocre team. Uh, but not a ton to talk about there just because the Raptors were overwhelmingly not involved. Well, yeah, and I think the, the other side of that too is just how, uh, 
I guess how the rest of the league sort of views the wraps currently, right? Again, the win totals uh, 36 and a half. So obviously it's not a playoff type team. So they're not, we're not considered even a playoff uh, potential team at the moment. Uh, you know, I don't know that we have any sort of breakthrough uh, crossover stars into the U S anything like that. So it just, yeah, we're, we're kind of off the radar from a, from an overall, certainly from the uh, U S media standpoint, uh, and then from a, you know, from a, from a GM standpoint, I, I think, yeah, we just, we're not, we're not on their radar because the team, they don't, they look at his trade piece as not, not winning potential. So yeah, not much going on there from a, uh, we're pretty low key. I would say at the moment from a, uh, uh an overall uh, visibility standpoint. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up from NBA news last week, um, OKC and San Antonio played each other, which was the debut the big man, Victor, Victor Webinyama, uh, his opening, uh, his opening NBA game, along with, let's not forget about, uh, Chet, Chet Holmgren also played. So, uh, listen, those two, if this is, if that was any indication of what their careers are going to look like, Webinyama in 20 minutes, uh, sorry, 19 minutes, 20 points, five rebounds, zero assists, two, five, and three point line. Chet, this is awesome. 16 minutes, 21, nine and one, 21 points, nine rebounds, one assist, two for two from three point line. I don't even, I didn't know that Chet had the three point shot in his, uh, in his, uh, arsenal like this. So, I mean, listen, I want to go, I'm going to go on record right now saying I'm on OKC watch this year. Their win totals 44 and a half. I've already bet over. I think they are going to be very, very good if Holmgren stays, stays healthy. Like they're, they're top seven guys. It's a legit, it's a legit, roster with i think the right pieces so i think they're going to be very very good but back to to web and homer I, I mean i don't know i think the future for those two obviously is uh super exciting for both those franchises but uh yeah what what a what a change in the nba when these seven footers uh are out there and we're talking about when we're talking about their three-point shooting prowess uh along with everything else and I heard somebody talking about how traditionally, you know, more often centers are hitting three pointers, but they're all these cash and shoot threes, you know, kick it out to the corner and Brooke Lopez hits the three. These guys are hitting pull up threes. And that's just not something you see from seven footers, seven foot three players. Uh, so certainly exciting for the future of the NBA with these guys. And I'm sure more coming down the road. And, and you mentioned OKC going to be a great team this season. Looks like they're going to take a step forward. Shea is unbelievable. But as we talked about last week, that Western conference is just loaded. So every time you want to take a win and add it to one of those teams, you probably have to take it away from someone else. And it's hard to figure out which of those teams is going to just have a disappointing season. I agree. Yeah, it is really hard to do uh, from a betting standpoint. It's going to be incredibly hard to do, but I do think walking into OKC on a Tuesday night, uh, you know, when you're sort of in the, you know, the, the dog days of the NBA season, it's going to be a very, very tough place to win. Uh, and I and those guys are going to be young and hungry. Health is obviously going to be a big part, but we'll see if Holmgren can stay healthy. But yeah, I really, really, really like them in the West. All right, I'm back here on my own. Uh, we've got a couple things we're gonna we're gonna finish off with here. Uh, quick question from the audience: J Boyd X, his handle on Instagram, the Insta J Boyd X, asked us this week, uh, and I can I'm going to speak for Aaron on this because we talked about it. Uh, any trade activity? Um, at the or any movement in the trade world at the moment. So certainly if you uh were to peruse any of the um uh the internet or any of the uh, Raptors blogs or anything like that, uh there's nothing out there that suggests that there is any trade uh activity. And I guess really we're in the middle of preseason. 
uh, the roster set, new coach. It's unlikely that that would even be a, a topic at this point. I can't imagine trying to work through a training camp uh, where you don't have a James Harden situation where a guy's asking out and you've got a, and you'd have a bunch of trade rumors going around. So I think it's uh, I think it's highly unlikely there's any movement coming uh, anytime soon. Uh, I think this is probably a 25 to 35 game. Uh, you know, sort of audition for a lot of uh, the Raptors and what we're going to do. So, you know, uh, there's not going to be any uh, trade talk uh, coming in, uh, I think, for at least a couple of months. You know, sometime, you know, maybe the earliest you're going to see that is going to be around around Christmas time as we as we head into the trade deadline. But nothing, nothing that uh, is out there now. A uh, second question from uh, listener Brock. And really, this, this segment is all about Brock. Uh, this is the Brock Ask a Question segment. Uh, Brock was uh, missing in action for multiple days. Uh, we're not sure what was going on. Um, I mean, I will look into that to make sure everything's uh, copacetic. Perhaps I should talk to his wife. Uh, but Brock did have a question that he threw in here at the last second. Assuming no other major additions, what is our best case finish this year in the East? And then Brock put seventh uh, in question uh, with a question mark next to it. So maybe Brock's answering his own question. Uh, and I'm sure he would have loved to have Aaron uh pipe in on this but we'll get Aaron on that one uh next week Brock as well when he's back but listen best case scenario Ooh, I mean yeah I mean I'll go with I'll go with six just to be different than seventh uh I mean obviously injuries played a big part of this uh roster continuity is going to play a big part of this I mean if we if we remotely get out of the Pascal or OG business uh and we blow it up then we're looking at uh a 11, 12 uh, potential. But if everything we know today uh, with this roster as constructed, um, you know, I would say best case scenario is going to be that six, six to, you know, nine seed uh, probably, um, you know, it really, you know, in our, in my chat with Aaron, it really hit home when you look at that roster and you look at the lack of shooting uh, of consistent NBA shooting, it's hard to imagine this team can be consistently scoring, at a level that you need them to score at in order to win games, um, which really makes me rethink my 36 and a half uh, over bet uh, for this team. Yeah. I mean, you just don't have it. You have literally, and we're talking about OG being our best NBA three point shooter on this roster. And I don't know where he would rank uh, if you were to rank OG uh, across the league for NBA three point shooting, but would he be top 50? I mean, what do you be considered? I mean, forget percentages. I'm just talking about people. If you had to name 50 NBA shooters from the three point line, would OG be in the top 50? I'm going to say no. Uh, so therefore, we don't have anybody on this team, on this roster, that's capable of being a top 53 point uh, shooter. Um, and I think that's a major problem in today's NBA. So this team, it really is spotty at best. It really is spotty. But, but Rock, I know you wanted Aaron's uh, viewpoint on this. Uh, we'll get that for you. But there you go. You have it. You have it for me. Uh, of course, you probably could just pick up the phone and call me. But uh, now the the whole world has it. So, uh, all right. Last thing. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, go. What drives? What drives? And it, this is a good one for me. It just happened to me yesterday. Um, listen. I don't understand. It's happened for years. I'm in the lounge at the um, at Toronto International. I'm in the Air Canada Lounge, and I'm with my daughter, and it's breakfast time, and she wants to eat. So I explained to her, you know, the whole process, and I'm like, the toasters are over there. She wants a bagel, that sort of thing. Well, she's probably at the toaster for I don't know, 15 minutes, and she's uh, asking me why this thing won't toast. And here's what drives me crazy: everywhere you go, whether it be a buffet, a hotel, 
uh, a lounge, an airport lounge. I don't understand these toasters that are meant to be for mass production. Like, so an assembly line of people coming through who want to toast stuff. And yet they have these toasters that do not toast. It's everywhere. I, I promise you anyone listening has experienced this. I, it makes no sense. My toaster here at home, I put a slice of bread in it. It comes out 12 seconds later. It's toasted. You put one in at one of these places and it goes on forever. And I do not understand. So my poor daughter, I've never, never experienced this before. It's <laughs> just literally, and I, I was oblivious to it, went back to my seat and then finally came back to look for her. Uh, and she was there toasting uh, at infinitum. So listen, I don't get it, but someone out there can fix this problem. Mass production toasters need to toast in a very quick capacity so you can keep the line moving, right? It's like a metaphor for like, keep the line moving. So there you go. That was my uh, drive craze for the week. Uh, AOB, Aaron was going to talk about Scotiabank uh, renovations. We'll do that next week because uh, apparently there's been a bunch of renos or there's going to be a bunch of renos to the lower bowl. Apparently there were a bunch done last week. So Aaron took a tour of that and uh, he's got some insights. So we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, AOB, Brendan Malone, Raptors first uh, ever coach, uh, passed away this week and uh, father of Mike Malone, coach of the uh, the Denver Nuggets. So uh, I got a bit of a history with Malone going way back to the uh, bad boy Pistons days. He was an assistant coach with Chuck Daly, and he was awesome. And he was the uh, developer of the Jordan rules. So uh, RIP, Brendan, RIP. Uh, last but not least, so Johnny Bart, now a member of the St. Andrews uh, College community up in Aurora. And he's got a couple of roommates, uh, one of them being uh, Xavier. Uh, Xavier I'm shouting you out here, except you want me to throw out your handle, uh, except I don't have your handle because you never gave it to me. And I can't find you on our Instagram page. So I don't even think you're following us uh, on Instagram. So I can't even do that. But Xavier, uh, one of Johnny's roommates, claims to be um, a Raptors fan, even though it wasn't obvious with any of his paraphernalia in his room. But uh, we're going to deal with that. But the other issue with Xavier that I've got to fix with him is uh, he's a big Ohio State fan, which obviously speaks to his intelligence. Uh, so we'll have to work on that, but, uh, the Bards come from a long line of Michigan, uh, fandom. So we're going to beat that out of Xavier this year. I've got, uh, Johnny's got a few things on the way that will, will make the room a little bit more maize and blue, uh, which will be nice for everybody. Uh, but Xavier, St. Andrews college, I expect a huge following. I expect you guys to be shouting the pod out, getting this into a regular cadence at Mac house. There should be, a, there should be a listen. There should be a weekly listen, get the whole house in there. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll pick things up uh, for Raps Nation at Mac House at St. Andrews College. All right. With that, I'm on my own here. So it's for me. Kawhi, take it away. Kawhi up top. Looks at the clock. Turns the corner for the win. 